0: When an adult uh, has gone through life with a, a diagnosis of ADHD or perhaps been diagnosed later in life,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's um, it's challenging because those supports have to sort of come from, you know, the person themselves. themselves. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of my work with adults is um, helping them to become more self-aware, mm. helping them to become confident and owning their um, challenges and, and the wiring of their brains, and that can be really hard sometimes because when you've gone through your life feeling like there's something wrong, mm-hmm. um, I'm flawed in some way, mm-hmm. I have these challenges, and there's almost a resistance to owning yeah. it, you know, because it feels like you're bad. And um, so, big part of my coaching initially, but throughout my coaching with adults. Um, individuals is building up self-awareness, building that metacognition, that pausing, stopping and thinking about my thinking. What is it I'm doing? Is it working?
1: If you're a CEO, entrepreneur, or business owner that can't seem to figure out what is blocking you from attaining the next level of growth in your business, then listen up. I'm Maria DeLorensis Reyes. I've taken what I've learned in 30 years, working inside multi-million dollar corporations, building my own business, and consulting my clients, and discovered five themes that stop a business from scaling. I've created a tool to help you get the answers you need to get unstuck and unlock the next level of growth. Head over to scale.mariadr.com and click the link to get your custom Scale Factor Formula Scorecard when this episode is over. Hey everybody, welcome to Finding the Upside. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm here in the studio for another interview with my favorite organization and time management expert. Annika Elstrom, Thanks for joining me, Annika. Great to be here. Thank you. So Annika was here a few weeks ago, maybe actually even a couple months ago at, at this point, and um, we talked about ADHD and executive function. Uh, just as a introduction, if you haven't listened to that first episode or didn't see that, um, that podcast episode, Anika has spent a lot of time in education and then working with children as a learning specialist for ADHD and executive function, and has a program that she works with families and children, and now has left traditional education and is de- has developed her own coaching business for this specific purpose, but also supporting not just families and children. But supporting adults with adhd and that is the topic of this podcast we talked a little bit about it last time you were here Um, But this time we wanna talk about some of the nuances about the mindset and self-awareness and some of the struggles, and specifically with adults, uh, some of the strategies that are really crucial. Um, But I'd love for you to start with talking about this mindset shift of being able to embrace and own this diagnosis, this condition. I don't know how to talk about it correctly, so I'll just hand it over to you and let you kind of take us into that.
0: Yeah, so um, when a child is diagnosed um, with ADHD or there are executive function challenges, um, hopefully there's supports uh, from the parents and Mm -hmm. in school. Sometimes there's not. Mm -hmm. Um, When an adult uh, has gone through life, with a, a diagnosis of ADHD or perhaps been diagnosed later in life,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's um, it's challenging because those supports have to sort of come from you know the person themselves. themselves. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of my work with adults is um, helping them to become more self-aware, mm. helping them to become confident and owning their um, challenges and and the wiring of their brains. And that can be really hard sometimes, because when you've gone through your life feeling like there's something wrong, mm-hmm. um, I'm flawed in some way, mm-hmm. I have these challenges, and there's almost a resistance to owning yeah. it, you know, because it feels like you're bad. And um, so a big part of my coaching, initially, but throughout my coaching with adults um, individuals, is building up self-awareness building that metacognition, that pausing, stopping and thinking about my thinking. What is it I'm doing? Is it working? Usually if they're coming to see me, there's some things that aren't working. So we need to look at what are the things you're doing now? And if the things aren't working, we make shifts, we make changes. And that pause point becomes so important because many people who have ADHD and have executive function challenges, they move through life. And and after they'll say, well, why did I do that? Or why didn't I do that? Instead of pausing in the moment or throughout the day to kind of regroup. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually a way you can learn to do that. Yeah. Right. That we can now rewire our brains, but it's not easy and it's, it's not, not comfortable and no it's honest. not automatic mm. because you've been doing it one way your whole life. Yeah. Now you're changing that and that can feel uncomfortable yeah. and that can feel a little bit robotic. Yeah. Um. And so that's why working with a coach sometimes is really helpful because I'm there to be really positive and supportive and to say, you're doing fine mm-hmm. and to stay curious mm. because it's so easy for people who have gone through life having these challenges to beat themselves up, mm. you know, to, to, to say, oh, here I go again. I'm doing this again. Oh boy, you know, nothing's ever gonna change. And I'm there to say, it will change, but there's some, thing, some changes that you have to make with consistency and commitment, Yeah. and you will see over time change. Um, and it takes time. And the biggest part uh, is really that relationship. You know, when I'm coaching, someone building Mm -hmm. that trust
1: building that rapport building
0: that rapport and because if you think about it if you've been going through life feeling badly about yourself and these things in your life that aren't working it's very hard now to you know okay i'm gonna open up to my coach i mean it's almost like it's a therapeutic relationship in the sense of you're now learning to be vulnerable with another person and so always in my first sessions and throughout i'll remind my client, you know, if if you feel that this isn't working, this relationship, please tell me. Mm-hmm. Because if I can't be the person to help you, I would love to refer you to someone or help you find someone who can help right. you. Because not everybody fits with everybody else. Yeah. So, you know, building that rapport takes some time. Yeah. And having them sort of bring down the veil, if yeah. you will, or the mask, as we call it, masking it, and being vulnerable, that's a I consider that a great honor when someone opens up to me, mm-hmm. and it takes a little bit of time. Yeah, you know.
1: And I guess it would really be the same with any type of support, coach, therapist, whatever. There's there's time that needs to be built, and there's trust, and it is fit as you said. Um, but being able to build that rapport is what allows somebody to not. Be defensive or to kind of say I'm safe here and be able to kind of open up and be vulnerable and as you said one of the things I wanted to pick up on you know you're right like so much ne- so many negative messages and I think I don't have the metric uh, at the top of my head but there's something like and maybe you have it like how many negative messages a person with ADHD gets throughout one day, even in just one day. It's like in the thousands. And so you're being faced with that, and then there's the self-judgment that you internalize that, and the negative self-talk, like you said, like, here I go again, or I'm bad at Mm -hmm. this, or I don't do well with, but maybe that's because the approach and the support, and the way to do things and the reset and switching that hasn't happened yet.
0: Exactly, and I think also that piece of even being vulnerable with themselves, mm-hmm. right? It, and we talk about that, the ownership, that takes some, some time to mm-hmm. be able to really sit with this and say, this is really hard for me. Um, you know, allowing yourself to do that takes some you know, some time yeah. to become self-aware, yeah, and to give over to that process. So that's a big part of what I do with my clients is really to build that. To even teach them, and you ask about strategies during the day to literally map out a routine for themselves, mm-hmm. where they build in short pause points. Mm. So even that it's it's in front of them. I recommend having you know it on a whiteboard easel in front of you or tagged up in front of you on your wall, a little schedule. And at certain times, you know, you can set reminders on your phone or have a timer, certain times you stop and you do some breathing and you kind of land to say, how's it going? Mm. And building in these these positive mantras of, I'm doing the best I can.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm doing fine. Mm-hmm. Because that and negative- negative framing it. Exactly. Because that negative self-talk has been going on for years, for, sure. yeah. for years. Yeah. And so it's not like they meet with me and we flip a switch and now they're you know, going to be positive about everything. That, yeah. that's, that's not reasonable. Yeah. Right. So it's a process. And that's why sometimes working with a coach can be beneficial because I can be that sounding board for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I can spend the time learning about them. Everybody's Mm -hmm. completely unique. Mm -hmm. So when people say, well, what are the strategies? What are the strategies? Well, I have to meet with you. I have to get to know you. I have to get to know your job. I have to get to know your personal life. What are the things that you're getting stuck on now so that we can figure out a specific Tailored, individualized yeah. program for you. Yeah, because not one size fits all. No, and
1: it has to be customized, right? If it's going to work. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and what I love about that is I think that's so um, key. Is first off, it it sounds like what you're saying is that's the first part is owning it and understanding it is the very first part where then all of that vulnerability, you could be vulnerable, all of those veils, those masks come down. And then you can start really looking at it with brutal honesty, radical honesty, being able to look at yourself with compassion, instead of judgment. Um, So I would imagine that that's got to be your first and foremost intention when you start working with someone. And. Absolutely. the process of getting to know them i guess you do a lot of intake and you know first couple sessions probably have to be that getting to know and understanding
0: we do a few self assessments so that they can really share with me what they're using yeah um what are what are the things that you're using now and don't throw the baby out with the bathwater maybe right. there's some things that are working great right let's look at those let's see why they're yeah. working You know, and then build upon those. Then I'll help you fill in the blanks of the other things that perhaps you haven't tried yet. Yeah. And so that's sort of how I begin working. I also talk a lot about this critical, you know, this critical voice. And we actually do an exercise where I do a lot of mindfulness Mm we've weaved weaved into my sessions. Yes. Because I think that that's an incredibly wonderful way to get to that self awareness, Mm -hmm. slowing yourself down so that you can give yourself some space Mm
1: -hmm.
0: to to learn about yourself right and in those mindfulness sessions um, that are brief because you know not everybody can sit on a mountain for hours Mm -hmm. like Buddha Mm -hmm. Um, so they're very brief but they're one of the first things that we do is I have them visualize their critical voice and I have them you know in their mind's eye figure out the shape the form What that person's or that voice sounds like, give it a name, then I have them open their eyes and they draw their critical voice, their judging (sighs) voice. And I say, now you've externalized it. Now it's outside of yourself. So now when that voice comes in, not to banish it, not Mm -hmm. to be mean to it, it's a part of you. For Mm -hmm. some reason, it became a part of you at a time when you needed it. Mm. It came, so all these parts of ourselves are actually. Parts that we needed at some point yes but right now it's getting in your way mm. so speak to that and I've actually done it myself my voice is spiky mm-hmm. she has spikes all over her face her nose her ears her eyes everything is spikes and she's constantly yelling at me right so now I've drawn spiky I have her up in my office mm-hmm. on the wall mm-hmm. and when she comes in I say I know spiky I know you mean well but mm-hmm. right now I don't need you mm. right mm-hmm. so that it's not pushing away yeah it's okay Thanks for showing up, but you can leave now, we're good. So along with that, we then do the visualization and we also draw the voice of you know, reason, the mm-hmm. voice that is gonna be helpful to us, the kind voice, the mm-hmm. voice that is gentle and also productive. And oftentimes, people will draw a superhero mm-hmm. or they'll draw an angel or they'll you know, mm, there'll be something. That's some, very
1: powerful. It's very
0: powerful and it makes it tangible. For yeah. my clients, it makes it something that they can hold on to instead of just, I'm powerless. You know, this thing is just taking me yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love doing that. because Yeah,
1: and I think also the visualization of that and having that those images then allow them to be accessed much more easily, yeah. right? So that's brilliant. I love that.
0: I didn't invent it. I wish I uh, could say it's okay. I stole it, but <laughs> I love it. I think it's so great. And you know what it adds, which I'm getting from you now, humor. Yeah. It adds humor yeah, because you levity. know what? Mm-hmm. Humor creates space. True. We, when we laugh, we take a deeper breath mm-hmm. and we let life in. Yeah. And we we let things shift. And so humor is a big part of this. So oftentimes the clients will draw these two voices and they'll they'll laugh because they'll say, "I love." the you know what i just yeah. created yeah you know
1: yeah that's 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 fantastic yeah. i love that
0: yeah
1: um so yeah i mean i think this owning it it's interesting because i don't know if because this is in my you know my my radar within my radar or Um, there's just a lot more talk about ADHD in adults today. Mm -hmm. There's so many high profile people coming out talking about it. And I mean, we've known that for years, right? All the visionaries, all the innovative creatives, there's so many people that have either that or some kind of learning difference. Um, But Mel Robbins is somebody who's been very vocal about her own adult ADHD diagnosed as an adult. Uh, Jenna Kutcher is another one. They talk about this, they have their own podcast. And I remember listening and watching uh, recently, to one episode where Mel Robbins was talking about this exact thing we're talking about—the fact that there's this resistance to that it's part of you, that mm. it's something that you you own—and how necessary that is—it's kind of like, you know, um, if you said if you God forbid said you, you were diagnosed with cancer, you wouldn't be like, I don't have cancer. Mm. You know, part of being able to heal and part of being able to get treatment, if you had cancer is to not be in denial about it so why do we do this about a diagnosis like ADHD right it's understood why but kind of thinking about it in that aspect it makes sense that you had said owning it is Mm -hmm. the ability then to move on and to heal it to fix not fix it but manage it better thrive with it
0: right with it thrive with it. And I think also in building that self-awareness and taking that ownership, you're building confidence. Yeah. So that you know, we're talking about adults in the workplace and when you become aware and you take ownership, you become confident so that you can stand up for yourself and ask for what you need Mm -hmm. and that's really the next step. Mm -hmm. You know, if if I find myself you know, uh, with a client who has ADHD and has a lot of restless they they need to be moving more and Mm -hmm. and they're stationary much of the day Mm -hmm. finding a way to bring up with their boss or their manager you know you know how i would be most productive if i could take a few breaks during the day and just go for a a short walk Mm -hmm. you know timing it Mm -hmm. or you know is it possible that i might be able to get a standing desk Mm -hmm. i would be more productive if you Mm -hmm. lead that conversation with confidence Mm -hmm. and say to your boss or your manager you know, I would be more productive if they want you to be more productive. So it's all in how you say it. True, very true. And when you go in and say, I need a standing desk, then that's not not going to make them uh, jump off on the right Mm -hmm. foot towards meeting you. Mm -hmm. But if you feel confident and say, this is how I'm going to give you something and the best of me. Now I want to give you that because I want the best of you. There's a reason you hired that person, mm -hmm. probably for their creativity, probably Mm -hmm. for their great ideas. Mm -hmm. And along with that come some of these executive function challenges. So how do we, how do we, how do we embrace the whole person? Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. And, you know, um, and we touched on this, I think, the last time we spoke, but I definitely want to um, bring this up again. There, There is, the good thing is, there is a lot of attention to this neurodivergence. And neurodivergence mm-hmm. just means that it's outside, quote, unquote, the norm of doing things. And in business, although there's been lots of discussion of neurodiversity, we're all neurodiverse, we're all different, right? But that, that tends to in the past have been stuck with um, you know, the diversity efforts, stuck with race and gender and sexual orientation and things like that. But really, it also has to include this neurodivergence in terms of normativity like what is that, right? And people who sit outside that, why? Because of all the things you just mentioned. To be able to create a safe space so somebody can be at their best and produce the best for you, right. which what's interesting to me is you talked about the standing desk. The standing desk has been around for a while, but it was all in the sense of ergonomics, right? Mm -hmm. But, because sitting all day is not good for us, right? So if we can end up standing and being able to shift our weight instead of sitting, it's better for the body. But it's also better for the mind and some minds, right? Um, There's desks that have uh, actually, a bike yep. right um, and those types of things there's actually a woman that I saw recently she stands at her desk and does training and webinars and things and she's walking on a treadmill like it's underneath her desk which I think is so interesting um, so it's counter right to mm-hmm. like what typical business structure 30 years ago Was doing now. It's kind of come in and been there, but now we're kind of seeing. Okay, well, there's different ways to different reasons why you would provide this, and being able to understand that is important. But also from the perspective of the person, being able to ask for that in that way. Um, So I think the good news is, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that there's lots of conversations happening about these types of things. So I think that's there's that's hope. You know, there's hope in that. Um, that it will become more in- brought into the fold. But I would agree with you that being able to speak about that in a way that you get what you need so that you're more productive makes all the sense
0: Absolutely. in the world. and I would say too, in that journey of working with my clients, some clients get there quicker than others. Mm-hmm. Some, some have had a lot of, I want to say, almost trauma yeah. with you know, the way they've been treated yeah. and they, the way they've been spoken to about their ADHD, about their their challenges. And so it may take longer for them to get to that point where they're gonna ask for something. Yeah. But in the meantime, you yeah. can still work on that self-awareness and work on that building of confidence so that they will get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, a similar trajectory to how I work with, with young, young yeah. children. <laughs>
1: Well, and, you know, there's no secret. We said it last time you worked with my son for many years. You know, it's funny because I think he's on that that, that end of that curve that, you know, being able to get to that point where
0: Mm. he
1: can kind of drop that veil and own that. I think you're right. It's very, I've watched him struggle with doing that. And um, I think it's individual. So every person, he had a lot of trauma of the way he was treated in school, which I know you know is, you know, the sad part about it, but unfortunately it happens every single day and what that does to somebody, I guess the point here is knowing that that could be their story, that person, that employee that's in front of you or that business partner that's in front of you, that could be their story and being able to understand that uh, on the other end of it, but also as a person, understanding that, all of that is what's feeding into all the negative self-talk and almost, more important why you've gotta be able to flip that switch and come to accept.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. And I think also feeling like you're not alone. Yeah. There's so many resources out there. There's, there's so many great podcasts, webinars, free resources on uh, from organizations like CHAD and ADDA. Yeah.
1: I think support groups for people with ADHD would be a great thing to Yeah, start. they have, they have. They them. do.
0: Yeah, Facebook, they have them, there's so many resources. Yeah. And so, you know, and that's that journey of self-awareness. Yeah. That's that journey of starting to connect and not feeling alone and not feeling that shame that is at the core of so much of this. Well, you know what's interesting, and this is, this
1: is the thing, like, who would have thought I, in my mind who would have thought that uh, there would be so many parallels um, I had um, my coach Mandy Keene on a couple weeks ago and she was talking about support groups just support groups in general mm-hmm. and talking about her reaching out and getting support for something and what it does and what it did for her and this is the general sense the broad sense is that it allows you to see that you're not alone Like, like hey Frank he's That happens to me too, and it actually is the bridge, this is how she put it, it's the bridge to the self-compassion because Mm. you get to know those people in the support groups and you're cheering on Frank, and you're like, hey Frank, buddy, I know, I understand. Hey Jane, I I know, like it's tough, we're here for you. And then you realize they have the same struggles that I do Mm. and if I'm compassionate for them, why aren't I compassionate for myself mm. who have those same struggles? So it's almost like the bridge in realizing mm-hmm. and being able to be self-compassionate to mm. yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think that, like, you say there's a lot of them. I guess I haven't looked, um, but I think that, you know, there. it would be great if we could connect people more to those.
0: Yeah, I agree. So much growth happens there. And also, like you're saying, you know, oftentimes I'll say when when people – you know I'll say please tell me what those thoughts are saying mm. and they're harsh yeah and I'll say would you ever speak that way right. to a friend right would you ever use right. that language with a friend yes why are you using that with you yeah with yourself you know and uh, you know when you when you put it that way it's like wow I'm yeah. really cruel to myself. And yeah. I'm not just saying that's, you know, those are my clients. I share about my own well, story. I, think that's a I have human that human condition, yeah. right? Yeah. No matter
1: what our challenges yeah. are.
0: We have that critical voice. Yeah. It's in there that judging voice. Yeah. So, you know, it's a matter of understanding, wow, I can change that. I can change that script mm-hmm. in my brain, mm-hmm. but I have to work at it. Mm-hmm. And as I said, you know, in the beginning, I actually have my clients write it down yeah. certain periods of the day because you can't meet with me once or twice a week and think that that's just going to change that that's not the case yeah, i mean that's
1: really critical yeah that awareness and the other thing going back to what you said at the opening with that check-ins throughout the day you mm-hmm. know i think that's um really powerful as well because it's almost like i don't know if i'm going to describe this succinctly right now but You know you kind of do things especially as an adult you do things the way you've been doing them for so many years Mm -hmm. and it's kind of rote and you don't even think about it and you also don't even think about the fact that it's not working right right like Like, so the only way that you can kind of assess that is to pause and kind of look at what am i doing
0: right
1: is it working what's working what isn't
0: right
1: and then i think uh obviously having the support to work with somebody who can say this is something else you can try because I think a lot of us might say, this isn't working, I always struggle with this, but you don't know what else to do, right. right? Like that's that's the next step is, what do I do in place of that I have no idea, right? So getting those suggestions and getting that customized kind of plan and strategies has gotta be a critical part of the growth that happens.
0: Absolutely, and, and building in, you know, Building in um, a structure, so getting to know what does that the day look like for mm-hmm. a specific client, and then within that, you know, setting up a routine. These are the things that are going to be really helpful for you to first of all bookend, but even within that routine, where are there going to be these pause points? Where am I going to have you know periods of work?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What does my workspace look like, mm. right? Put away the distractions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Put away um, your phone, unless yeah. you you know you really need it. That's um,
1: a big struggle today. Yeah,
0: because multitasking is toxic to your brain. And so, if you're going into deep focus on a project, or you need to really focus on something at work or at home, you know, put away the distractions. You know, even looking at your workspace, what's on the walls? Mm-hmm. If you have a what's gazillion. Your eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you have a zillion things on the walls and it's not serving you, simplify. You know, what do you need on your desk? Do you actually need all of this in, yeah. out? And make sure that at the end of the workday, you leave the desk the way you want to find it in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I even recommend, you know, saving the last 15 minutes of the day to look at what I have tomorrow yeah, and leave that on your desk so that when you come in the morning, it's almost like being kind to your future mm-hmm. self. I've taken care of myself for tomorrow, which is so yeah. powerful if you think about it. Yeah. And you know what?
1: These are things that have been suggested, you know, in my world, in, in the business world and productivity to people universal, whether yeah. you have ADHD or not, right? Yeah. But I think i i would agree that people who are struggling to have that order and structure need that even more right right right. and and somebody with an adhd brain adhd brain like memory doesn't serve right it's Mm -hmm. kind of like being able to brain dump everything i know for myself now i mean in true candor i have you know, I'm um, in my 50s. I have not been diagnosed with ADHD. We didn't have that growing up. Kind of that wasn't talked about. I Could I relate to some things? Absolutely. Um, and I know for myself, what's completely freeing is exactly that. Setting myself up and also getting it out of my head. Because mm-hmm. when it's all those things to remember... It's like, I'm paralyzed. It's like, if I can just get it on paper or in a note in my phone, just brain dump it. Mm -hmm. It's so freeing. And you said, be kind to your future self. That's kind of how I look at that activity, Yeah, which is so helpful to then have like a, "Ah," Yeah. you know.
0: And you know, you've set yourself up in the morning rather than, you know, being harried coming in. What do I have? You know, now you're behind the eight ball, you know, and You've set yourself up for success. Now, will things come in your way that you couldn't anticipate? Of course, that's life, right? But at least I've taken care of all the things that I can to set myself up for success. Another thing that I I highly recommend is having an accountability partner at Mm. work, someone that you can check in with throughout the day, and perhaps they also have these types of challenges. So maybe you say, you know, two times a day, I'm going to stop by and and see how you're Doing on your stuff and you do the same. Mm-hmm. Having a partner, Checking in, yeah. yeah, because accountability is a big part of this. Yeah, we know that you know many of us, myself included, and and certainly those who have executive function challenges and ADHD, we have a hard time sticking to things. So being accountable to ourselves hasn't always worked. But when we have another partner, it's like when you when you're going to go exercise and you say, yeah. "Oh, I'm going to exercise tomorrow," but my friend, I have a good friend that I go swimming with. Mm-hmm. But when she calls and says, "I'll pick you up in ten minutes," I'm not going to say no to that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah.
1: So Yeah. I accountability would... is great in yeah. so many areas, and I would agree yeah. in this area as well. It's a great support.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so we've talked about you know really having that self awareness and owning kind of this condition, this learning difference, whatever whatever it is, um, and doing that work. Um, but then, what are like the other areas that you would say are part of the strategies that you provide? Um, I would imagine it's like time management. What are some of the key areas?
0: Yeah, so the time management piece is key. You know, mm-hmm. that uh, being able to really get yourself, again, it's building in that metacognition, planning out. When do I need to leave the house mm-hmm. so that I'm on time mm-hmm. for work or my meeting, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. and. You know, I always used to joke that if I had to be in the car at eight o'clock in the morning, I would walk out at eight and I would have things going through my mind like, you know, let me just put in a load of laundry. Mm. As if that didn't take up any time. Mm-hmm. Well then I wasn't in the car until eight fifteen. Mm. So I build in a fifteen minute leaving time and I start to leave at seven forty five. Now I can put in that load of laundry or whatever my thing is at the end there and still be in the car by eight. So learning, you know, how to play with your own brain so that you're on time. Because when you're walking in, if you're supposed to be at work at nine and you're walking in at nine, you're actually late. Because by the time you you get yourself settled, you put your things away, it's 9.05, 9.10. You know, you, you have to start really setting yourself up for success. And then in terms of time management, like I said, having that day planned out, having those pause points built in right. and having it in front of you, having it visible. Because as we know, if it's on another, you know, tab, you have to go to it and you might get distracted by something else. But if it's right in front of you, in your eye eyesight of vision, you know, it's harder to ignore. So time
1: management, of course, is a key thing for all people, right? Yeah, But but why is it so challenging for people with ADHD and executive function uh, challenges? And you just said it has to be visible, that's part of it. And I know you have lots of different strategies, but just talk about that. I think you've called it time blindness. Yes. And talk about that and w- then why the strategies help to try to solve that in terms of it being visible and. Thinking about it ahead of time. And just talk about that a little bit.
0: So time blindness meaning that you really don't have a good sense of time, right? And so it's either now or it's not now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, and that's it. And so that's you're going to run into some trouble with now and not now, yeah. right? So if it's not in my sight of you know vision, it's going to be out of sight, out of mind. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to think about it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's going to catch up with me. And so if I keep something in front of me, and I don't mean having, you know, 50 things in front of me. I mean having one place where I have the days, at, you know. Like a run of the day. Yeah. All
1: your appointments, yep. all your yep. things, all your times. And slots. what I like
0: about there's this uh, whiteboard with timer. It's, it, you know, it's a stand-up small whiteboard. I have one. I fill it out every day with the main things that I have to do that day. The big things. Mm-hmm. And then I put a little time circle estimate. Say it's an hour. Say it's an hour and a half. Now I set my timer to see am I accurate because I'm not – time management is a real challenge, Veronica. That's mm. That's a real challenge for me. Mm-hmm. I know it. So if I'm not on track, I will completely spend three hours on something that needed to be done in an hour because I'm fascinated by it or, you know, I'm drawn into it. Which is great, but not so great if I'm missing two other things, mm-hmm. right? So that vi- the visible becomes so important for someone who has time management challenges. Having an analog clock in front of you.
1: Why is analog so important?
0: Well, I'm glad you asked, Maria. <laughs> analog clocks give you that 12-hour cycle, right? Um, our children are at such a disadvantage because they may have learned how to tell time on an analog clock in first or second grade, and mm-hmm. then it was promptly put on the shelf. hmm And they were using digital, right? Well, digital only gives you now. So if you already struggle with now and not now, right? That's a problem. You need to see that 12-hour cycle to root yourself in, oh, here's where I am, and this is how much, I can see how much time I have until lunch, until dinner, until bedtime. And I start to make that a part of my internal time management. And, and that becomes really important because otherwise it's just this digital now in re- relation to nothing. It's and there's not no grounded. visual
1: tangibility right. to time. Right,
0: right. And there's nothing grounding it, mm-hmm. right? So our children, I, I hear this all the time from parents, my child has no sense of time. Well... Did we set them up for success with analog clocks so that they can learn what it looks like an hour? Yeah, Right, an hour, unless you concretize an hour, it falls right through your fingers. Oh, I
1: love that word, concretize, yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) So these become so important. And so I always say, put an analog clock, not behind you in your office, put it right in front of you. I actually have one in my sight line of my laptop because even looking up to the right, if I'm immersed in something, I'm not going to look there yeah but if it's in my sight line yeah now it's right in front of me so again calendars having calendars yep. up for yep. you know september through december now visual visual so that i can see the passage of time
1: and it's funny because you know for years right um and and some people in business still do this and i do i've gone back to it now like I definitely was conditioned by. Didn't grow up with that. Obviously had an analog clock. Was ta- you know taught that. Had calendars on the wall. All those things. And in the working world, when I started, you know, we always had something on our desk that had the day and the date, and you'd flip it. You know, the like individual day calendar and that was right in front of you. And then we always had the three month mm-hmm. calendar on the wall that we would write and map things out. And you saw that visual. And then computers came into all this did these uh electronic calendars and we had blackberries and now we have iphones and all this and all of that went away for a lot of people yeah and for me included and then realized and i need the visual so i do keep stuff mm-hmm. electronically but i need to see that visual like i have all the time blocking with the different colors and i can print it out yep. and sometimes i need to because i need to see it. And I think that's what you've talked about is, you know, having those type of calendars and physical, tangible things so you can see, I'm giving you the lead in here, the space in your time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. The space in your time. And also, you know, people will say, but it's on my computer. Great. But there's a reason you called me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Something's not working here. Mm -hmm. And we need to go back to it's not it's not as exciting as the digital. I think that you know everybody thinks that, that that's the cool way, that's the hip way of doing things, but it's not working for everybody, right? It's working for some people. And if it works for you, we're not here to dismantle something that works. But the point is people are calling me because there's, there's an issue, there's a problem, and they want a better way. And oftentimes that can be simplifying and having things to be physical, you know, like calendars, like planners, Like analog clocks. You can swipe them all day long, but Mm -hmm. that's all they are. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. people will say, well, I have a timer on my phone. Great. But if I pick up my phone, this is what I do, and I see someone's texted me, now I'm, in now I'm texting for five now minutes. You're there. Yep. Now I'm, you know, you're pulled away. I'm playing a game. Yeah. Now I'm buying shoes. Yeah. You, know, it, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a beautiful piece of brilliant yeah. technology. Yeah. And I can have so much information at my fingertips. But right. when it comes to time management, organization, and planning, I go down rabbit holes. I get lost. And many of my clients, it's the same thing. And so it's ca- kind of going back to basics. Right. Right, and and, and you tools. know what's
1: interesting too is I think a lot of the tools, and I, I definitely can vouch for this, like I exclusively use an Outlook calendar and I have color-coded things. And and that actually helps me plan mm-hmm. because as I try to fit in and squeeze in another task, not just appointments, another task, and you go like, oh, I can do this here. You're like, ooh, I only have 30 minutes there. It's really gonna take longer than 30 minutes. So it's mm-hmm. like, it can't fit. Right. But again, it is digital, but it's visual because I'm seeing of how things flow to one another and where it could fit. And what I think is interesting is now all of these tools that are out there, you have Notion, you have InMotion, you have all these things that create this space in my time calendar, space in my time calendar is something that Annika uses and teaches, which is essentially time blocking on a paper sheet or a physical sheet right locked mm-hmm. out all the uh, commitments right. um, but it does essentially that now these electronic tools in that way as long as you can have this visual right. and that it's up and I see people now that's their screensaver. they yeah. put up the thing for the week or for the day so they can see it so I think That's promising right to use these people they're like well i want to use the digital stuff great yeah but you need to use it in a different way it can't be okay i have to go look at it right it has to be in front of you right and i find for me that's like game changer as long as i have that in front of me and i see and listen there are times where i have to pick stuff up and move it around but that's the beauty is that when it's not in something visual, it's hard to do that. Yeah. it just gets lost.
0: It gets lost. It's out of sight, out of mind. And the other thing that I wanted to say is, is often those people who have a, uh, executive function challenges and ADHD, they they love novelty, mm. right? So constantly, you you mentioned there's so many new things, and so they're always going for the next, you mm-hmm. know, new shiny thing. Mm-hmm. This is going to work for me. Yeah. this is going to work for me. And. It's exciting, but if you're constantly chasing the next, you know, shiny new thing that's going to work for you, you're never actually settling in and and owning and trying something consistently because you're always going. That looks better. I'm going to try that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that becomes something that can be a real problem. Whereas I said, like, when you have these visual tools and you stick to the, a certain way of doing things, whatever it is, I'm great. Mm-hmm. It's great that that outlook works for you. Mm-hmm but it doesn't work for everybody that way mm-hmm. and maybe they need to find a tailor-made program or routine that works for them.
1: So as you address time management, and this is the you've talked about self-awareness and you know owning things, that's the first part. And then I'm talking about time management, all these different strategies. If someone is ingrained in wanting to use something electronic, do you find ways to help yes. them utilize that and tweak and see and then I would imagine The intelligent thing to do and probably what you help them do is how is it working
0: exactly and And sometimes they might come to understand it's not exactly Mm. but if someone if someone says to me I really want to use this I will never say no Mm -hmm. I don't I don't I always say I wish I could live in your brain for 24 right, hours right. because then I could see the world from, from your
1: right. Perspective. As you said, everybody needs something different, right?
0: And so, if you really want that, we will continue to look for ways to make that work. But at some point, because we're constantly checking in, as you know, we do mm-hmm. a check in and we do a check-out. Yes, right. That's building and that you're metacognition, with them. Yeah. right? So that in the check in, we're, we're talking about how, what strategies have you used this past week? How are they working? What's getting in your way? And I always say, please don't ever come to a session and think that I'm judging you. Right. Just put that to the side because I'm, the only thing I am is curious. I'm curious about what got in the way if you didn't do something you said you were gonna do. So, and, and I think also when I'm that sounding board for them of I'm not judging you, they're less likely to judge themselves right. well, and I get
1: curious. I think that element, and I mean, I've been through this with you, obviously, working when we went through the program with, um, with my son alongside. I think what's really good, and just in general with self-assessment, people are much more honest when they're writing it down yeah. and they're reflecting themselves. And the way you typically run it is you ask people to do that in the check-in, mm-hmm. write it down first, and then share Right. Which I think is critical, because if you just ask somebody the question, they sometimes might be saying, what does she want to hear, right. what do I need to say? Right. We're doing it in that way, checking in and checking out individually and then share is a great bridge to make sure that they're actually able to be to have that honesty.
0: Right, and that they're also able to articulate it for themselves. For themselves, right? Yeah. So I am merely there to guide a person. Mm-hmm. I always believe people know a lot more than they actually think yeah. they know. Oh, yeah. And oftentimes they just need me to hold the space for them yeah. so they can find a way. Right. And sometimes I offer, of course, suggestions or strategies, but people are so much smarter than they think they are. Right, and is... it's really holding the space for them so that they can find their way to what works for them.
1: Which is the foundation of coaching, which exactly. is so awesome, yeah. yes.
0: Which And I always considered, like I said earlier, such an honor to be able to work with someone who opens themselves up mm-hmm. and, and is vulnerable mm-hmm. with their challenges and also with their successes. Yeah. You know, when, when a client, you know, has a success with something, I say celebrate all the small wins and the big ones. Yeah. But celebrate them because oftentimes we see the things that, you know, don't work for us. We beat ourselves up way more mm-hmm. than when we have a win. Yeah. And so celebrating that with a coach or with another person, like I'm working with a gentleman now, and we've only had, we had our second session yesterday. And after our first session, he shared that he sat down with his wife and said, you know, I, I'm always telling him, or always in the time we've met, be kind to yourself, because mm-hmm. he's so hard on himself. Mm-hmm. And he had shared that with his wife. And she said, you know, I've been telling you that for so long. And you didn't listen. No, <laughs> because I think sometimes people that are so yeah. close to us, yeah. like my, daughter, oh, yes. my daughters always used to say, yeah. well, you're just saying that because you're my mother. Yes. You know? Or it they does, just don't if, hear it from,
1: yeah. from somebody close to them. Exactly. And they'll take it in and hear it from yeah. somebody external. Yeah. So um, that's awesome. So now I know the next piece is planning, which part of this is like a lot of these are interrelated, but planning and like planning you talked about the simple example of you know uh leaving the house but like planning for projects planning for i think i could attest to you know when somebody with adhd or executive function challenges thinks about a project they minimize how much and this is just like project management in general or lack of project management skills in general minimize how long it's going to take and what are all the pieces so that's i think the next phase of what you might work on with somebody and give them different strategies for planning and how to get things done
0: yeah so planning is is a big one and the big projects like you mentioned many of my clients have a really hard time understanding how long something will Mm -hmm. take so i teach them a strategy called planning backwards Mm -hmm. and assigning time yeah and it's a great way to really break a large project into smaller chunks so that it feels manageable, Mm -hmm. so that I actually have them draw it out on small post-it notes, the steps, Mm -hmm. and we plan backwards. Mm -hmm. And what's so effective about that strategy is the very first thing they do is draw a picture of themselves completing the project. Mm -hmm. So anyone who works with visualization, whether it be in sports or business or, medicine, whatever it is, seeing yourself be successful is the beginning of success, Yeah, right? I'm seeing myself score that goal or make that basket or finish that thesis or Mm -hmm. project. I'm drawing that out, now it's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. I've made a commitment to myself that I'm going to do a good job on this Mm -hmm. and now I plan backwards. And they often are shocked at how long something's gonna take. I also have them buffer in time, I say, listen, if you don't need that buffer time, great. You just want an extra 5 hours. Right. But let's put it in there because the one thing they haven't figured out yet in this amazing world we live in is how to get back time. Right? Nobody figured a, that out. We've got a finite <laughs> amount of it yeah. and we want to use it well.
1: Mm-hmm. And so and once it's gone, it's gone.
0: And once it's gone, it's gone and if if you crunch yourself to the point where you're so stressed, your your brain is not working well. Yeah. And you're you might get to finish it but it's not going to be your best work you're going to be anxious you're going to feel bad you're not going to be sleeping doesn't feel good no it doesn't feel good so that's a great strategy i also think when you then have mapped out that larger project putting it on your calendar visibly in front of you ticking off the days as they go so you can see i'm getting closer to Mm -hmm. this project that helps
1: with feeling like you're getting somewhere yeah
0: otherwise it's just oh that's that's in Mm -hmm. two weeks Mm -hmm. yeah but if you don't concretize it what Concretize it. Oh, my God. We have to
1: make a bumper sticker for that.
0: <laughs> there it comes again. Concretize. You know, And the other thing that is so crucial to planning is, I, because many people will procrastinate, myself included, and I say set a timer for 20 minutes and just start. You can do anything for 20 minutes because yeah. you know it's going to be over in 20 minutes. Yeah. Oftentimes, it's You'll go just beyond starting it. it. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. And if you only do it for 20 minutes, at least you started it. Now you pat yourself on your the back and say, Tomorrow I'm going to do yeah. another 20 minutes, yeah. and so on and so forth. But many times people will say, oh, my goodness, I was telling myself this is going to be awful, and it wasn't bad at all. In fact, I really enjoyed it. So, the, again, these voices that we have coming in telling mm-hmm. us, oh, this is going to be awful, I'm going to pass out, you know, it's that's not the case.
1: Many times, and I know, um, and I do want to ask you this question, but many times I know that I've done this myself. As a matter of fact, I think I just did it the other day where I was like, you know, agonizing over something, right? Like, I got to do that. I got to do that. I got to do that. It took five minutes. Like, we create this story in our head that's going to be awful, that it's going to take forever, that it's going to And if we just, like, say, all right, like, let's just do this. You Then you realize, it really didn't take that long and it wasn't so bad.
0: Right. And that's why, I don't know if you remember the exercise of the time scientist. Yes. Where we, you know, it's an actual, you know, uh, strategy of, of mapping out you know writing small things how long is it going to take to empty the dishwasher I give an estimate and then I actually time it and I yep. look at it and I go this took five minutes yeah but I was telling myself that ah oh, poor me I've got to yeah. empty the dishwasher yeah. it's going to be a disaster yeah. it's going to take all night and that, estim-
1: you know. that est- estimates and estimating also works that way where it's like okay I'm over-dramatizing how long this is gonna take and see this is inaccurate. And I underestimated how long this is gonna take and it really took longer. And then you get so much better. And we use that even in my organization with my team. Like I tell them all the time, like we have a tool that we use for estimating how long you think this will take and then for tracking how long did it take and why, not that I wanna micromanage that, but I wanna get better at us optimizing our time and really being, Honest about how long something is going to take so that we mm. can maximize, you know, what we're going to do and not try to cram too much in. You know, right. that's a, that's what it's uh, for as well.
0: And also learning those times during the day when your brain Tanked. is at its is is that its yeah. optimal level. Yeah. Um to work, Oh, so where you're right? tank
1: but also where you're good. Yeah. 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 Where
0: you're energized, where you yeah. feel good. Yeah. And knowing, you know, and this is again self-awareness, knowing when, you know what, I need to put this down and just take a walk around yeah. the building. And know that um or, you know, just sit and do some mindful breathing. But you know, oftentimes I say move because mm-hmm. move a muscle, change a thought. Oh yes, right.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it <laughs> another it good one.
0: That is good. Yeah. So we we
1: we don't have too much more time, but um, I wanted to ask two other questions. Just the last piece of. The big category I think that you work on is organization and just organizing materials, organizing your day, organizing your house. That tips into so many areas, yeah. um, and I guess that you approach it in the same way that that's the category you assess and do the intake of maybe all the things that are getting in the way for that person in those that area, and then different ways to solve that. Talk about that just a bit.
0: Yeah. So you know, again, I I think I brief, briefly touched on you know the organization of your workspace, mm-hmm. making sure that you have the things in front of you that you need and nothing more yeah. um and leaving it the way you want to find it in the morning be kind mm-hmm. to your future self mm-hmm. take the last 15 minutes of the day set a timer and use that to set yourself set up yourself so you up. come in the next morning you know i do this myself you know at home uh in terms of my workspace yeah. and i'll fill out you know my my day for the following day and i know this sounds really Courtney, but I come in in the morning to my office, and I work at home now, and it's almost like... It's pleasant. I'm, I'm almost like, oh, Annika, thank you so much yeah. for setting... Like, I'm, I'm almost playing, like, a little role of, like, talking to myself. Well, how I... How pleased I am that I, I took care of myself. Yeah, and I also you know?
1: think, I also think that, you know, just talking about setting up your workspace in an organized way, right? You're taking care of yourself, but it's also a different feeling. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of people cuz I I even even though this is not something that I uh is a signature for me obviously in my work as a coach and consultant and working with clients and working in offices, sometimes their offices are a disaster mm-hmm. and they are in denial that that's getting in their way. They're like, "Oh no, this I work well like this." No, you can't. You cannot. I'm sorry. You can't, right? Yeah. Um so, you know, making the awareness of that, I think, is also important. And also, um, I lost my train. I thought you're going to have to edit this. <laughs> oh, well, I forgot what I was going to say. Um,
0: you know, in terms of talking about that and while you're trying to figure out what you were going to say, yeah. you know, it's also this piece of. There's some resistance there, right? There's some resistance there, and that's again ownership. So, I say, you know, mess outside your body creates a mess inside your mind, yes. And I plant that seed, but I don't, someone says, No, you know what, it it looks messy, but I can find anything whenever Mm -hmm. I want to, and I'm thinking. There is no way. Mm-hmm. I've played that little reindeer game too, mm-hmm. you know, where I've told myself, oh, it's actually an organized You know, in piles.
1: So that's the self-awareness. Yeah. It all comes, that, that threads all comes back. through yeah. all of those areas. Yeah. And what I was going to mention as like an example is, you know, if you go into using a, a medical, you know, a doctor's examination room, right? You go in there and everything is in its place. They open the drawer. They have the cotton swabs. They have everything in its place. Everything's refreshed. They're able to easily access everything. What if you went in there and be like, "I'll be right back. I got to get a tongue depressor." Oh, "Oh, I'll be right back. I got to get a, a, a some cotton swabs." Oh, "I'll be right back. I need to get alcohol." I, it's so inefficient and disruptive as well,
0: and upsetting as a patient. That happened to me right. once at the at a dentist. Right.
1: So thinking about your workspace like that, everything is easily within reach. You have everything you need so everything runs smoothly and you could be at peace instead of scattered. You know, I think that's part of it, too.
0: It's huge. And it's self-care. Yeah. You know, it's about self-care.
1: So the last question that I want to ask you is this. You brought up a lot of examples of your own personal experience and things you do. And I want to bring this out and ask this question. You have not been diagnosed with ADHD or executive function, correct? No. But you still have some of these same challenges. Absolutely. And I think that that's an interesting point as well, that a lot of us share these challenges or struggles. They show up in the very same way mm-hmm. and sometimes are solved by the very same strategies. Talk about that a
0: bit. Well, I mean, I think that that's a big part of my approach in coaching mm-hmm. is to be very transparent about the fact that I struggle with these things. And every time I teach, and been doing it, you know, for 10 years now, every time I, I, I work this program, um, I get better yeah. at it. And yeah. so you know, I think that that also opens a, a connection, makes a connection and a bond with my clients mm-hmm. because they don't feel like, oh, I'm misorganization over here. Right. He Who was, was born with these things? That's annoying, right. right? I can say, you know what? I I do the same thing you do. Right. I have this that same drawer in my kitchen that's like a, a piling center, and every so often I've got to set a timer and go through it and mm-hmm. organize it mm-hmm. because it ends up just being a pile of stuff, mm-hmm. right? And so you know, I think that everybody benefits from this. Mm -hmm. Everybody. So when I work with, you know, say I work with a couple or I work with a family, you know, oftentimes the the spouse who doesn't have ADHD is thrilled because now we're going to help their partner. Or Mm -hmm. the father uh, doesn't have ADHD, but the mother does. And he's Mm -hmm. there to fix her or <laughs> what? but mm-hmm. as in the course of working together they start to realize oh my gosh i grew so much mm-hmm. and i didn't i don't even have these things mm-hmm. you know but there's always a better way mm-hmm. we can always grow and try new things and get better at this mm-hmm. and so you know that's about owning it as yeah. well yeah. i'm not perfect no one is. Yeah. Right?
1: Well, I think that's also helpful to, to as you said, you're not, you know, Miss Perfect Judgy, no, right? No. You're, you're in the boat with them. Yeah. And, and you sit outside of that diagnosis or that, yeah. that learning difference or what have you. So I think that that can make it also much more accessible for the person to say, these are, and these are, that's the other thing. These are life skills. Yeah. These are life skills. That's what we know, yeah. Right? And these are things that everyone has to master and find their way. Some of us figure it out along the way, and some of us still struggle with a specific thing that we just haven't found that secret sauce yet to fix. So I think it's so um, interesting how everybody can benefit from these. Everybody could benefit from these strategies.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also important to realize that things can change. Like yes. right? Say you get a new what job. What used to work right? doesn't work. Right. Or yeah. well, say so you get a new job. Now I've got other challenges that mm-hmm. I need to work on here or this used to work but now it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly staying curious and self-aware enough to say, mm-hmm. "Hmm, what can what do I need now?" Mm-hmm. And that is where again, coming back to the beginning of of this discussion, that self-awareness, that ability to build in these pause points so I can reflect and see what is it I need now mm-hmm. because it's changing yeah. all the time. I'm not the same person I was yesterday yeah. or last year or five years ago, and I won't be the same moving forward. Yeah. So that flexibility, which is another executive function, if yeah. you're a very very rigid person, this is tough. Yeah. Right. But knowing that about yourself helps to create some space around it. Yeah. So you can say, Yeah, I'm flexible, and I own it. Now what? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it's a constant. Juggling of, you know, what do I want to try, and yeah. and how do I want to grow? Yeah, and that's what's so exciting about what I do because I get to be a part of that.
1: Right, and it I get to grow transform. with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been so amazing. Thank you again for joining me. Um, We're going to put in the show notes. uh, Annika has a program that she's developing and some of this framework that you talked about, some of these strategies, these areas of self-acceptance and mindfulness and owning uh, and the metacognition. I think that's so important. Time management planning and organization, uh, definitely check out the show notes for uh, ways to contact her. You're both on Instagram and uh, Facebook, correct?
0: Only Instagram. Only
1: Instagram. TimeWise12. But it'll be in the show notes. And
0: TimeWise.life is my website. Okay, perfect.
1: We'll put all that in the show notes for you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Finding the Upside. Thanks for listening or watching today. See you then. All right, so I hope you loved this episode and found it valuable. Thanks for hanging out with me. And if you'd be so kind, if you know someone else that this will help, please share this episode with them. Just grab a link for this specific episode, text it to a friend or colleague so it can help more people like you. Thanks so much for tuning in. I will see you next time for more entrepreneurial goodness. Same time, same place on the Finding the Upside podcast.